into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Four-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Three-time winner for Best Sports Reporter and Commissioner of the SECHC. And Glenn Blackwell. It's time to talk all things hockey in the music city. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 102.5 The Game. Hello and welcome to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford and in for Glenn tonight we have Abigail Martin. Been a while since she's been on here with us, but glad Hello, to have her in studio. Uh, producer Kenny taking care of us as always behind the glass. And I'm very excited to hear the bump music we will have tonight because he kills it every single time. I'm Happy to <laughs> Well folks, the Predators, they got the first win of the season. It was no pressure, no pressure at all to, to not go 0-3, but they, they finally got it done, and I will say, looking on the positive side of things, that they had backs against the wall, and they came out and finally flipped a switch in the third period. That's And I know we're just jumping to conclusions right here, but in the third period for the National Predators, it, they looked like a team that actually had some offensive ability, and that's what you want to see out of a team like that. Granted, they didn't put up as many shots as they did in the first and the second, but the shots had a higher quality. They had better scoring chances. They were flurrying around the net, and you just saw a little bit of a difference there too, and, it, and it's good to see them finally get that through, and you see Tanner Janot get the first game winner of his career. You see Matt Duchesne pop one in, a, a dirty goal. Uh, Philip Forsberg gets one, uh, had an opportunity, sorry, on the penalty shot, but it's him driving towards the net that made that happen as well. So some positives to take out of that. But overall, the beginning of the season has been, I think, what we thought it was going to be, Abigail. It's it's going to be one of those years that there are going to be some games that they'll struggle. There'll be some games where you see flashes of, of good things, and they understand this. They're not going to label it a rebuild, but there are a lot of changes that have happened, and that's why you're seeing so many different faces on the ice all the time. I mean, Philip Tomasino still has not been able to, to get much out there because he's been scratched. Cody Glass got sent down. Uh, there's been plenty of changes. Mark Borvietsky and Matt Benning played last night, and Philip Myers was scratched. I mean, it, Ben Harper played first game and everything. So there's been so many different changes just in the first three games this season that you can tell they're still trying to figure things out because so many prospects got playing time in the preseason. And that's something, too, going back to last season, excuse me, when we saw Olivier come up, but now he's on IR, so you're seeing even more changes with that youth that you were speaking about. One thing that hasn't changed is seeing the Nashville Predators decide to show up at the end of the third period. And that's something that we have seen for seasons long, and I'm, it's kind of getting annoying. It's paying off, and as we just <laughs> saw, it did pay off, which is great. But that's energy that you need to see to start off the game. And you need, I hate to sound like a hockey player already, like a minute in, but you have to play a full 60. I'm tired of seeing that energy coming off at the end of the third period. But I will say the youth, we'll call it a competitive rebuild, I guess, because I'm not going to not call it a rebuild. Because that's what it was labeled at first. Right, I'm not going to not call it a rebuild. But (laughs) this team has seen so many changes. They've played through so many circumstances as well. Um, Of course, I think someone said it that you can't, You'd expected to call it a roller coaster, which is exactly what it is. But at the same time, they just got their first win. 
So that's something to start off with. And this youth is going to have to get a lot more confidence and a lot more comfortable with these teams. Having to face off against the Hurricanes, I think, was a big step in that second game. And, of course, now they're a trivia question as losing their first game to the Seattle Kraken. Mm -hmm. However, they do have their first win, and you're starting to see a little bit of leadership show up and play. And that's something that Preds fans especially miss last year between uh, Forsberg, Duchesne, and Johansson. But even last night, you saw Victor Arvidsson not in a gold <laughs> jersey. That All the players seemed to be pretty emotional about that. And it was um, – I like that he took a, not kind of like, like a victory lap, an appreciation a salute, a nice lap. Salute. Right. And that's something we don't really see a lot anymore. And you we'll know, see a quick wave sometimes. That's right. about it. Yeah, just like a yeehaw and on the road. But we got <laughs> they got to skate. Um, but, no, this Preds team has really seen a lot of changes. I mean, obviously, Pecorine, Victor Arvidsson, Ryan Ellis, a lot of big names are out, and all the youth is coming in for this competitive rebuild. And you speak of Victor Arvidsson. Uh, yeah, give the fans a nice salute. But, boy, in some of his interviews, he's <laughs> not giving the organization much of a nice salute no. uh, in, in terms of his true thoughts and feelings of that. And, then, hey, you know what? I want to hear stuff like that. I want. I don't want to hear fluff coming out of players if they weren't happy that they were moved. And granted, he's he's going to do okay now. He's going to be fine. He's being relied upon as a top line winger uh, there in L.A. and he, they're, he's part of a rebuild. But he's brought in as a veteran to be part of their rebuild. They they have acknowledged the rebuild in L.A. and um, they have plenty of good prospects in their system right now to, to support that. But seeing some of the comments he's made is very interesting and telling and i want to see more of that at hockey players i want to see personality i want it to hear their true comments not as much cliche and that's something that we've been just bombarding how many years that we don't want to hear cliche all the time but if they're speaking their mind i'd rather hear that because one it gives you something to talk about two it gives you a story three you're actually getting in the mind of what they're thinking and what they feel like and what what, what they're go, what's going through their head and what they're dealing with as well because you can tell people are not happy they understand it's a business 100 percent. but i mean the forsberg thumbs down <laughs> Go all the way back to that. I'm glad they're showing off some personality and making sure that people realize they weren't happy with the decision. But on the leadership side of things, Mikhail Granlund has, has he's four points in three games, has a goal, three assists and everything too. And, I mean, he's, he's off to a good start, showing right now at least this is the reason why they resigned him. And also, this is the reason why he got an A as an alternate captain. And, and what I like about where he's at right now is that he's playing typically between two young guys in Ellie Tolvin and Luke Cunning. Luke Cunning's one of those guys I expect to have a pretty good season. Ellie Tolvin, and there's a lot of pressure on him as well. But to have Mikhail Glennon, who's been a, a, around for a while in this league, that veteran leadership is good for those young kids. Because what I'm looking at this season, my expectations are I don't have expectations. It's that yeah. I want to see young guys develop. That's my expectation. I want to see the, these kids get opportunities, that they develop, that they have something to build on, that you see Ellie Tolvin making good decisions and driving towards the net and being able to release his shot. I want to see them have opportunities on the power play units to where they're more protected that way, but you put them in a position to succeed, just like Luke Cunning, and they're both getting that. I want to see Philip Tomasino, who is not getting that right now necessarily, put in a position to succeed on the power play, see what he can do. Uh, I want to see Cody Glass get that, and if he's getting top-line minutes in Milwaukee, okay, great. But sometimes, and this is where I disagree with Coach, and I'm obviously I'm not a paid head coach. I'm not making the big bucks on that, but I'd rather see at this point in time throw him to the Wolves. Throw him to the Wolves, but you put him in a position to succeed. So you're not putting them always out there against the other top line where they're going to get shut down or anything, but you're putting them on a power play unit. 
to help build that confidence, being able to move the puck, get some good shots on net. But you, ha- it's a sink or swim time for a lot of these guys, and it's an opportunity to have that pressure put on them as young NHL players that they can develop into a leader themselves when they have that pressure put on. And how are they going to how are they going to react to that pressure? I mean, in all honesty, speaking about the power play, it's not like this team has a great power play. So why not test out the waters for that one? But I do like going back, speaking to Granlund, he's forced to go into that leadership position. He's someone that people couldn't decide if as a fan that they should fight for or not. But he's got the A on his shoulder. And of course, you just mentioned with having the youth development that should be around him, that's literally quite centered around him. So that gives him an opportunity to get a deeper relationship with them as well. And I think that that's something that was a smart move on that aspect. Um, And I think Tolby time is coming soon. I don't know when, but you spoke about getting better shots off um, with him. And we're seeing that from him. We're just not seeing the conversion of it. We're not seeing the goals. But I think that's coming soon. But, you know, time's time's ticking at the same time. But I'm I'm not rushing in any sense. Of course, it's only the third game of the season. He has one goal. Well, 16 shots, though. I mean, he's shooting the puck. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> right, and it's a good thing he's shooting. I do hope that he continues to do that because my biggest fear, and I think we've seen this from Forsberg in the past, he's getting the shots on goal, but he's not able to get the goal, and that plays on their confidence, and you can really, really, really see that while they're doing while they're playing. So I'm hoping that that doesn't get to his head. I'm hoping Granlin and the rest of the team can pick him up from that aspect as well. But, I mean, I mean the Preds have had good scoring ch- chances. But I'm not seeing a lot of urgency out of them, and that's quite annoying for me. I, you see it sometimes. <laughs> Abigail is annoyed, I'm annoyed. Everyone. I'm annoyed. I'm rolling my eyes. I hope everybody knows that. There's no sense of urgency <laughs> or awareness, and that's including on the power play. I don't understand why you don't create space for yourself. There's no reason why Roman Yossi should be able to get the presence right in front of the net, but you can't have everybody else doing that at the same time. Well, there, there are some questions, too, when, when I see some players that are out there on that power play unit. If there's, For instance, this is not just me picking on certain players, but mm-hmm. Nick sure. Cousins playing point on the power play, if anything, I'd rather see you rotate that around. And if you're going to put someone out there that's a little more bruising, stick Tanner Janot out there and put him as a screener in front of the net. We saw that a little bit last season, but he's a big body. He can pick up the trash. He's not going to get pushed around as easily as <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, ask Drew. Yeah, if, you, <laughs> if you're going to have a guy like that out there, I'd much rather see Tanner Janot right now because of his ability to be right in front of the net. Or if you're going to have Cousins out there, then his role should be out there in the slot necess- for, for some reason, not on the point. I don't want to see him quarterbacking something like that. I want puck movers to be quarterbacking anything on the point. Little things like that. Just our quote-unquote expert opinions <laughs> on those things. Uh, before we have to go to break, though, we do have a fun show as well. We have Natural Predators prospect and recent signee with the club, signing his entry level contract. We have Jack Matier joining us. He's from the Auto 67s. Uh, and then we're going to talk some MTSU and college hockey as well because Abigail uh, covers that team and has been just a part of that and watching that for a very long time. But big announcements today coming from – Nissan Stadium, where right now Nashville SC is playing, trying to make the trifecta of victories in Nashville because you had the Titans get their big, big win over the Bills. And then Nashville Predators finally get their win. Nashville SC going to pull it off. But earlier today, there were Tampa Bay players, Predators players. You had Sean Henry there. You had plenty of folks there, Gary Bettman, talking about the excitement of the stadium series. And they're going to call it the Smashville Spectacular. Uh, and it's going to be a whole week long of activity. So I'm fully expecting there to be more than just 
the Predators and Tampa Bay Lightning at that stadium. I want to see like youth hockey. I want to see junior hockey. I want to see club college hockey take the ice there too. And I hope that's going to be the case that they're going to have an opportunity for all these different people to experience ice out there too, because it'd be fantastic for so many people to have the opportunity. What's going to mean for the growth of the game. And if you want tickets, those go on sale at 10 a.m. on Thursday, the general public. Okay. Up next, Jack Mateer, National Predators prospect and Ottawa 67's defenseman, is joining us on Penalty Box Theater here on ESPN 1025 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Theater here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Abigail Martin, Kenny. Oh, there you go. With the box. That was beautiful. <laughs> I've never been in a greater mood. <laughs> All right, well, excited to have our next guest on. We love getting to talk to prospects in the system and helping you get to know more about them as well. We are joined now by Natural Predators prospect and Ottawa 67's defenseman, Jack Mateer. Welcome to the show, Jack. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. So, I mean, season's already off to a pretty good start for you in in Ottawa and the OHL. I mean, five points in five games. Just uh, what's this like for you now after already being in in the O for a little bit and also not playing last season it's got to be just good to be back right yeah like you said it's just um it's really good to get back to reality and um back in ottawa and playing playing hockey games right i i hadn't played for 18 months so um it was awesome me awesome for me to get back here and start playing again and let's so let's jump back to the draft and everything. That was finally the sense of getting a little bit more to normal because the draft took place closer to when it normally does, and not in October <laughs> like it did in 2020. So the feelings on the draft. I mean, going into the fourth round, and your name gets called by the National Predators, and it gets announced that you've been drafted. What was the feeling that you had yourself, and and what what is the sense of accomplishment that you had when that that moment happened? Yeah, I think. Uh, every young hockey player they they wanted they want to play in the NHL and um, getting drafted is definitely a special moment towards that goal. Um, I had my family and friends around me, so um, it was a really awesome day for me and a dream come true. And Nashville is a great organization, so I was lucky to go there. And knowing that Nashville obviously has developed plenty of, of defensemen <laughs> over the years, uh, just knowing that they've been able to do that, and you think of the, the guys like Shea Weber, Roman Yossi, Matias Eichholm, Ryan Ellis, I mean, even guys that aren't in the organization, Ryan Suter throughout here, what does that feel like to you knowing the organization has been able to develop defensemen and what that could mean for your career going forward? Yeah, I think it's an awesome spot for me. Um, definitely they have uh, a lot of defensemen that have come through here that um, go on to have really successful careers in the NHL. So hopefully um, I, can, I can work with Nashville and, and reach my potential as a player and as a defenseman. And jumping ahead now to just just over a week ago, I mean, the Predators signed you to the three-year entry-level contract, so showing a lot of promise as well in you and what they thought of you following training camp and everything as well. So that next step, you get drafted, and then you sign your, your ELC what was that like to be, to be able to accomplish that goal, to know that, hey, it's not just you're a draft pick, you are part of the organization of being under contract? Yeah, that, that was an awesome feeling, definitely. Um, my family my family was in Ottawa at the time, so um, I got to spend the weekend with them, and um, definitely something that we celebrated, and um, it's, a, it's a really big, big moment for me. Speaking of moments, I have to ask, what was the moment that made you realize that you wanted to pursue a career in hockey? 
Uh, I would say I would say just as as a young hockey player, um, I grew up. I had an outdoor rink in my backyard, so I have an older brother, and and we used to play on the outdoor rink together. So I would say those moments in the backyard really um, pushed me towards hockey. And then having your father, Mark, who has also been drafted, what has the mentorship been like between y'all, just between as a player and as a son? Yeah, I think he, he's been a huge part of my life. He's my role model. Um, everyone says that their dad's their hero, but for me, I, I can lean on my dad with, with questions about hockey because he's been through it. So he's definitely been a big, big part of my career and um, my life so far. Well, we know that your family greatly supports you because I can tell based on my Twitter feed. Uh, they, they really keep track and they always want pictures of you from, from development camp and rookie camp and everything too. So you have a great support system uh, back at home that just obviously can tell supports you. So speaking of that, development camp, I mean, that was one of the, the first times that players have been able to get together and especially some Preds prospects over the last two draft classes. First time for a lot of them to meet each other because the season didn't happen uh, in 2020. What was that experience like in development camp and meeting other prospects? Some guys I'm sure you might have known or at least heard of or anything like that, but just hitting the ice with other guys in the organization, what was that experience like back over the summer? Yeah, uh, I think development camp was an awesome time for me. Um, I got to meet a lot of the other prospects from the past two drafts, and um, I I got familiar with the staff in Nashville and and the Milwaukee staff as well. So I was kind of getting your feet wet before main camp, and um, getting comfortable before going back in September. Yeah. So, so what is that? What was that like for you then in rookie camp? So you get to come to development camp, then you get to rookie camp and everything. It's like up in another level because you know it's training camp entering there too. What was that process like for you, kind of going through all these these big steps in your career, pretty close to each other? Yeah, um, I, I would say I was ready for it. Um, like you said, I hadn't played hockey in eighteen months competitively, so. I think um, I, I was really excited to get back onto the ice um, in a competitive environment. And um, Nashville, the whole whole organization was awesome uh, throughout training camp. So um, I just kind of I, I just kind of soaked it in, and really um, I was really grateful for my time in Nashville. And, and yeah, you you bring up again about not being able to play. How how did you spend that time when when the season wasn't going on? What did you do to stay in shape to work out? Was it off ice a lot of times, a lot of off ice training, or were you able to actually get on the ice every once in a while too when, when things were just shut down on the O? Yeah, so I, I was still training probably five times a week and, and skating on the ice three times a week doing skill sessions, but um, it's just not the same as being in a competitive environment, like I said. Um, that's something that I missed, and I was really happy to get back at it in Nashville and now in Ottawa here. Yeah, so let's jump to the O and everything, too. I mean, there's obviously plenty of NHL prospects that come from the Canadian Major Juniors. What's your experience been like playing with the Ottawa 67s, and just what have you learned during your time there uh, with that organization? Yeah, I think my, my time in Ottawa has been awesome. They're, they're a top-notch organization in the CHL, so I was happy when I was drafted here, and I was lucky to play on a really good team two years ago with um, some NHL prospects on it, so... I think I just looked up to them and I saw the preparation and the the stuff they do day in and day out to become a pro hockey player. So um, I was lucky to look up to have guys to look up to. And I mean, luckily you didn't you didn't play a whole season, but you got to participate in the World Juniors because uh, that was able to go off. You had seven games in there too. What was that experience like for you playing in World Juniors? And if anything else, just representing your country there. 
Yeah, it was, it was my first time representing my country. Um, it was special. I think we had a really strong team, and I got to meet other guys that uh, maybe I didn't know from the Western Hockey League. So um, it was a great experience, and, and we were able to bring home gold, which is always really, really good for your country. There's never any pressure on Canada to, to win Gold Award Juniors, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so Jack, b- before we have to close up the interview, what we always love to do, especially with prospects and everything, to help Predators fans get to know you, we love to do like a rapid-fire round, just some get, quick get-to-know-you questions and everything, too. Uh, so just the first answer that comes to your mind, feel free to just fire that off, and we'll go from there. I'm going to pass it over to Abigail. All right. All you're right. a defenseman. You block a ton of shots. So who's the one NHL player that you would not want to block a shot off of? Oh, I would say Alex Ovechkin. He's got a pretty good one-timer. Well, yeah, he does. He scored yeah. plenty of those. <laughs> yeah, that's. I think that's a good fair answer. I mean, I personally would have probably said Shea Weber, but I mean, you do you. He's on LTIR, so it doesn't count. That's fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. What is? I know I'm superstitious. So what's? What do you do before a game? How do you prep? Um, I I I don't have any like crazy superstitions, but I would say like I always tape my stick. That's the first thing I do when I get to the rink. Um, and then usually I shower before I get into my gitch, like my underarm gitch. So that's my routine before I play. And so you shower before you have to shower again, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, hey, I think that late, I think that counts as a superstition. Or if anything, it's just that's your routine. That's that's just your routine. I yeah. mean, at least you do it. Speaking from an MTSU hockey yeah. perspective, I've been in the bus ride with them after a game, and I know they don't shower. So I give you props <laughs> to <Yeah>. there. <laughs> All right. So right now, do you have a song that gets you hype before a game? Um, I, I would. I'd probably say run this town. Okay. Um, oh. Well, good thing you're coming to Nashville. You're going to fit in very well. That has been like the playoff pregame song for like a decade here. <laughs> no, no joke. That has you been the one it. that has it's run electric. this. It's yes. electric. Like you get goosebumps every single yeah. time. You're going to love it. All right. So yep. Abigail asked the player you wouldn't want to block a shot from, but do you have a favorite NHL player from maybe when you're growing up or even currently? Um, I would say my favorite player growing up over the past couple of years, it's been Austin Matthews, but, um, growing up, I always liked Steven Stamkos. All right. All right. Those are, those are good guys to, to watch after and not defensemen either. That's, that's very curious. Uh, all right. Yeah. Do you have a favorite superhero? Uh, no, no, I don't have a favorite superhero. Oh man. All right. What's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Um, I would probably say strawberry. All right. I like that. Good and fresh. Abigail, do you have any more? Does pineapple belong on pizza? <laughs> yes, it does. Hawaiian's yes. the best. <laughs> do you do it with ranch? No, I don't, I don't do it with ranch. Ugh. Right. You lost me there. <laughs> you had her in the first. Uh, <laughs> well, well, Jack, we appreciate getting to know you and for you taking the time to join us tonight. Can't wait to see you more here down in Nashville. And just best wishes on the rest of your season with the 67s, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, folks. As Jack Matier, defenseman, Ottawa 67s, up in the OHL, Nashville Predators prospect, fourth-round pick in 2021, and recently signed to his entry-level contract. So he is part of this organization for sure. So hopefully you'll get to see him in the next few years, whether in Milwaukee or then in Nashville as well. All right, up next, let's talk college hockey here in the South. Abigail's been covering MTSU hockey for, what, three years now? 
It's been a minute, three, yeah. Three years. And so let's talk some MTSU hockey. Yes, MTSU has a hockey team. We'll do that up next <laughs> here on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Abigail Martin, producer Kenny. I almost forgot to come back because I was just jamming. <laughs> I, I didn't know, right? know that song. Ooh. I didn't know No Diggity, but that one was a vibe. Justin looks. Justin is looking at me like this is not okay. I'm oh, sorry, old mom. School. Fantastic voyage. My mom's going to be really upset. Voyage. Mom, I promise oh you did God. raise me very well, and I promise I'm still your daughter, even though you're going to tell me that I'm not. At least she got no diggity. I mean, yeah, pitch perfect. Oh. But I, no, 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 no. I went from I went. I started at pitch perfect, and I took my way back, and like I listened to the original one, okay. and I know the whole song, so don't oh. play it again because I will show it off. No, hey, you but, were vibing though, so it's all the yeah. Media. Okay, I mean, I, I like now pitch perfect as flustered. a movie, but. I mean, but it introduced mm. me. It's all about the movification. Okay, and then it okay, moves that's on. fair. That's yeah, fair. Yeah, just absolutely. like just like TikTok right now is introducing a lot of people to Earth, Wind, and Fire. I can't. Oh I can't. I can't say I know what that is. I'm so sorry. <laughs> You're killing me, Smalls. Oh, I'm about to get kicked out, you guys. It was really nice knowing everybody. It's really what one. knowing everybody. Yes. She said nice. Oh God, I'm flustered now. <laughs> it's really nice. My cheeks are red for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> all right, folks. <laughs> College hockey season is underway, and MTSU is, is at it. Vanderbilt is at it. I mean, there are so many teams here in the Southeast, University of Tennessee, Knoxville, all of them playing in the SEC, HC, the Southeastern Collegiate Hockey Conference, Tennessee, overall 3-3 three and three right now. Uh, MTSU has a bit of a rough start, but it's very, very early in the season. Uh, Vanderbilt off to a 3-1 start for their season. But all these teams play here in this state and you have opportunities to go and watch them. I mean, MTSU has their home games at Fordyce Center down in Antioch. Vanderbilt has their home games over in Fordyce Center, Bellevue. And Tennessee plays over the Coliseum in Knoxville. So that, that's an awesome atmosphere right there. They're playing in a big arena. Uh, and a lot of times they'll follow Ice Bears games, which can be a lot of fun too. So there's plenty of teams you can go out there and support and do that. But Abigail has been covering MTSU hockey for a while now. And let's just give a quick rundown of the season so far. Abigail, whatever you can, why are you smirking? I'm sorry. I'm still a little bit flustered. I'm sure my mom is texting me right now like, I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> but MTSU, it's been a little bit of a rough start for them, but there's a lot of potential this team because this team is full of local players that played high school hockey here in G-Nash in the Greater Nashville Area Scholastic Hockey League. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a mouthful. But it's full of a lot of local players, so they get plenty of support, and it's fun to see just the crowd that they bring to MTSU hockey games as well. They don't call us the Rowdy Raiders for nothing, and I can tell you that much. <laughs> Even though the games start late, it's always a very fun atmosphere, and as far as the team goes, they haven't had the start of the season that they have wanted to. However, this team has completely changed. There is not much of leadership that has been able to stay due to graduation and COVID as well that have made the decision to step away. So there's a lot of youth that is coming into this team, but with that, a lot of the kids, I say kids, a lot of the guys have played together for a while. They've played together in G-Nash, as you've mentioned. I'll shorten it just to save myself a tongue twister. But even between Coach Rathert, he's also been the head coach for people uh, for the Flyers, like for Jackson Taylor, who is the captain as a or as a junior, excuse me, um, and Jake Fink. Like they've seen, they've seen each other. They've played each other. They're friends with each other. Um, and Cole McDowell, he's one that I have to talk about during our freshman year. Um, so it would have been 2019-2020 season, the first game of the year. Didn't even get to touch the puck. Two minutes, not even two minutes into the game. His very first shift goes down, breaks essentially everything in his leg. It was a really bad moment, and he has 
had his obstacles to come through, but he got to play the second game of the season. He was out on the ice, and I've never seen him so happy. I've never seen this team so happy because he was, he's was he been such a leader even whenever he wasn't playing. He was at every game. Um, he's someone that this team can look forward to, look up to. Nathaniel Wilson, in his senior year, I'm so upset to see him go, but there's there's a lot of potential, and you're going to be able to see Vanderbilt and MTSU take on each other this weekend. And even if you're going to Knoxville, which I would suggest you don't do, you'll get to see my <laughs> dear good friend, Danielle Danena. Danielle, I love you, bud. Um, but you're stuck with us PBR girls no matter where you go. If you're going to go to Bellevue, Antioch, Sounds or you're going like to go it. to Knoxville, Justin's like, oh, thank gosh everybody moved. But <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, it's been it's been really fun watching this team transform the energy and the culture. I think – is has made a lot of progress they're very comfortable with each other you have the chemistry it's just a matter of time if y'all can be patient with the pre if y'all can be patient with the preds you can be patient with this mtsu hockey team there it's a big it's a big crowd really fun really fun atmosphere and there's a lot of merch free merch even at that so if you can come out and support your rowdy raiders even if that means traveling to bellevue this weekend to see them face off against vanderbilt even if it means traveling to Bellevue. Bellevue's closer to your actual far. home. It's Yeah, it is. But now <laughs> that I've moved to this terrible city, I hate living in the city, you guys. But <laughs> no, it, She's it's, so used to being country. Yeah, My one red light town. Okay oh, my town. goodness. But, yeah, folks, it, Vanderbilt and MTSU, they play a home-and-home. It's weird to say, even though it's in the same city overall. But Friday night, it's at Fordyce Center, Bellevue, Vanderbilt and MTSU at 8 p.m. And it's also Greek night, so I expect there to be a pretty rowdy crowd there, <laughs> as well as it's Greek night. Uh, I know whenever Vanderbilt had their games before, when I was doing a lot with them, when they would have Greek night, because it's typically, I think, Rush, a lot of times what's happening too, then you're getting a pretty good crowd out there. And then Sunday, it's at Fordyce Center, Antioch, Sunday, October 24th at 11.45 a.m. So... Get your, you go to church and you go to hockey. Bring me coffee, please. <laughs> Thank you. What is eleven forty five too early for you? Oh yeah, I don't get up anymore until like noon. Oh it's my bad. God. It's bad. College is bad. Oh my god. Well, well, this does bring up a good question that actually Jackson Taylor did ask, <laughs> who is one of the alternate captains for Middle Tennessee hockey. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, uh, never mind. I was wrong. I said he was captain earlier. I was about to correct you. He is president, not captain. I do apologize. Anyways. Continue. Question? Are you done? I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> Jackson Taylor asked a good question. We're going to have more Q&A up next. But it's, do you see teams like MTSU or UT Knoxville having a Division One hockey team in the future? This has been the question that has been asked so much. And that's not a problem. And there's a reason to ask it because we've seen problems in college hockey of universities trying to get rid of their college hockey programs. And some of them successful, some of them not successful, thankfully. But University of Alabama and Huntsville. They have a club hockey team. Everybody fought really hard for them to have one more to have more seasons, and they had people pledging money and everything. Then it just didn't happen. They couldn't get into another conference, and so that team had to fold. I mean, they're a national championship winning team. They won two national championships in Division Two at University of Alabama and Huntsville, Division One. Uh, they've had a couple. They had one season where they they made it through, and it's been a struggle for them. Uh, but there's no reason why they should not have been successful. You see other things like university administration playing a role in that as well. Then you see what happened to Robert Morris. Robert Morris, a very competitive college hockey town or a college hockey school. The university tried to get rid of the program. We have a problem here in the U.S. with college hockey is that we have more and more players that are eligible and have the talent to play Division I college hockey 
but they don't have a destination. If anything, we should have more Division I college hockey programs instead of less because the talent pool is growing bigger as the sport continues to grow. So if you have more people playing, overall you're going to have more higher-end skill playing the game, meaning they need a destination to go play. That's not playing major juniors or going to play in Europe. If you want to continue to develop talent in college hockey here that will develop into NHL talent or develop into representing university very well in, a, in Division One athletics, you have to have more programs. So there are so many opportunities to grow this that big schools that have big budgets in athletics should 100% be looking into college hockey. That Tennessee State University we're doing research into that with all the things that are going on there, like with having – they're going big time with football with their head coach, right? But they have money rolling in. So and the, the Predators obviously are probably going to be a part of that too. But it's not just them. You, you need to see schools like Georgia, like Alabama, like University of Tennessee, Knoxville, like MTSU, like Vanderbilt, who's in downtown Nashville. Imagine if you had a Division One college hockey program in downtown Nashville. Those schools like that in, in the all the way through Florida, but they don't even have home rinks. I mean, the University of Florida doesn't even have a home rink in their town in Gainesville. They have to travel. Auburn has to travel. Florida State has to travel to Georgia to play. <laughs> so it's it's the thing that is going to take a huge commitment of money. We all know that it, with Penn State, huge huge commitment of money happened, but in four years they made it to the the tournament. Four years is all it took going from club program to tournament. Arizona State, huge commitment of money. And they're extremely competitive. And imagine recruiting kids from the north to go to Arizona State. Yeah, you're going to recruit pretty well. So imagine if the if SEC schools or just schools in the south and from the ACC or other um, divisions had an ability to recruit players from the north to come play college hockey in the south. Yeah, it's going to happen because they don't want to be frozen in the north. They want to be able to go to the rink in their flip-flops. So We can miss the flip-flops. but I'm just saying. So, so, <laughs> In their slippers, whatever, okay, uh, and their onesies. But you raise that question; it's such a loaded question, Jackson. That yes, it needs to happen, and I think it can happen. It's just going to take a huge paradigm shift, and it's going to take one SEC school saying yes, and they're going to have others jump on board because they want to be a part of what's going to be big there. That's what's going to happen. I think is one team's fi- one school is finally going to say, "Yep, we're going to do it." They're going to see two or three more jump on board because then they can form their own conference, uh, and then you have some compete levels. And then can you imagine transferring? A SEC college football atmosphere that does not involve throwing stuff on the field (coughs) into a college hockey atmosphere, how rowdy that can be. We've seen rowdy college hockey atmospheres. Imagine that in SEC country. And it doesn't have to be an SEC school, but just imagine that here in the South you have your rabid fans that just want to be fans of their team that they love. So, yeah, we got to see it happen. It's going to take a huge money commitment. So, hey, if you're listening and you have millions and millions of dollars you want to see college hockey, go throw it at someone. Yeah, I mean, that's a good way to say it. I'm in my head. Like, I have an envelope, and I have a mailbox, so I would accept that as well. Um, I can start a petition <laughs> if that's what it takes. But, no, I think you're right, and especially going with the power of the SEC. There's obviously a ton of power there. Um, the college football atmosphere, they need something to do in the wintertime. Am I wrong? So, with that, <laughs> I mean, it'd be really cool because we always talk about the hometown guys and how important that is to a community. But I'm just sitting here thinking of how crazy it would be to see, you know, Jackson Taylor, I'm going to use you because I think you're an amazing player, um, great friend of mine as well. Imagine saying Jackson Taylor, he went to he graduated from the Middle Tennessee State University and now he's playing for the Nashville Predators. 
that is something huge for the organization. I mean, all MTSU has right now uh, outside of sports is like Tay Keith, and you got some football players in there. Uh, shout out to the Titans for that one. However, hockey is something that's been growing a lot, and especially here in the South, thanks to the Predators, and they're wanting to see a lot of youth development that we've obviously seen through uh, the Preds junior teams as well. So why not take it that extra step? If you're going to build a foundation, you need to be able to take charge of that and go through all the way. So absolutely, I want to see it. Um, I don't know. That would be amazing. I'm kind of starstruck right now. It, it would. And, hey, the Predators are hosting the Women's Collegiate Hockey Showcase again uh, this fall. They did that uh, two years ago <laughs> before the the pandemic really hit. But it was it was a sellout, basically, uh, at Ford Ice Center in Bellevue. So that's going to happen again, bringing the top women's college hockey teams here to Nashville. So that's just an awesome exposure to the sport there, too, for young girls in the area to ex- help them experience and realize that they can go play college hockey and get scholarships for that as well. Okay. More questions and answers coming up next. We have plenty of cues that came in over Twitter. We're going to address those up next here on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Abigail Martin, producer Kenny. And unlike Mr. Ryan Porth, I let the bump music play. (laughs) Much appreciated. Uh, Porth, I love you, dude. And just want to give a, a shout out to, to Jack Woods. I know he's been listening. He gave me a, a nice little text. I appreciate that, Jack. We Thank love you, you, Jack, and I miss you dearly. We love you, dude. All right. Some Q's came in, and hopefully we have some A's. This one comes from Cam Gumpy. If the Natural Predators were a theme park ride, what would they be? Roller coaster is not an acceptable answer. Abigail, I'll let you go first just in case you were going to steal my answer. Oh, okay. Well, I thought you were going to steal my answer, but okie dokie. Okay. So I don't know the name of it, but you know, like that elevator ride where you go up and then you just drop all of a sudden and your stomach drops? Like the most terrifying like ride? The like tower the tower ride? Like, yeah, like the Tower of Terror type of vibe. That's what I would have to say because I feel like all Tennessee sports are like they get you super hyped up, then all of a sudden you're down at the bottom. So, oh. but I mean, you still have to take that incline to go all the way up to the top before your stomach drops. Also, I hate that ride, by the way. Um, they're terrifying. So I think I could say the Predators look terrifying. So you did kind, kind of steal of. my answer because I was going with Tower of Terror. I went first. I couldn't have stole your answer. Well, when you said it during break, I was like, oh, no. Oh. <laughs> well, whole thing. okay, then I'll switch it. Okay, so you know, in, you? Di- you know in Disney World, like, okay, you have you watched Bring It On before? Yes, okay, of course. Perfect. I know there's like eight of them. I don't know the difference of them. The best one with um, – Garrison Dunson and Leslie Drew. Oh, no, I was thinking like Ashley Benson, but all right. Oh, my gosh. Calm down. You There's calm so down. much hostility. I'm so scared. But you know the ride that I'm talking about where they go in a little loop-de-doop around and um, like that's two circles that circulate around each other? She's so good Two at circles this. that circulate around each other. I'm so good at this. It's a red and blue thing with the dragon. Um, I don't know my reason for it anymore because I just got kind of scared because apparently I stole his answer. But I'll think of something in like five minutes. Well, the show's gonna be done i mean just go on tower of terror because <laughs> sometimes it is like you're living in the twilight zone when you're watching the team because sometimes there'll be some positive things and all of a sudden it's a competitive rebuild instead of a rebuild or it's the window still open even though it's not so sometimes it's drop that's why i'm going with the tower of terror because yes sometimes it'll lift you up and then all of a sudden drop you and you see a flash of brilliance which is at the top of the tower and it's taking your picture right before you drop again on then times sometimes you'll get a tease of certain things like a little bit of a drop and then a big rise and then a drop tower of terror that's why it fits 
I'm just kind of annoying because that was my answer and I went first, but it's fine. But I explained it better. No. Yeah, actually. All right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> this one comes from liquid underscore husband. Best food item you partook in this past weekend. So I think this is more directed at me because I was at Disneyland. I did not want to be included into this question. I had pizza, by the way. What kind of pizza? Um, the kind made with love. My dear boyfriend made it for huh. me. So we love that. Okay. Yeah. It was just cheese and had some ranch on it, you know, because ranch belongs with pizza. Okay. All right. <laughs> I would say my favorite food item would be the Cozy Cone Macaron. So at the Cozy Cone Motel in Carsland at Disney's California Adventure. I'm so mad. It's, it's a large macaron filled with a chocolate fudge with peanut butter cream and pretzels. That sounds horrible. but It sounds delicious. It, makes, it reminds me of Mikhail Grandland. What is your problem? <laughs> I just love the way you say it, so I have to give you some Macaronland. Thank you. Oh my goodness! Well, what did you eat? One more time. A macaron. Okay, thank you. It's not a macaroon. A macaroon has coconut in it. Hey, okay. This one comes from Jen. Did you tear up during the RV tribute view? I did not. I was wait. I was kind of looking at the reaction of the crowd and hearing the RV chant and seeing him react. But uh, I guess I'm desensitized to things like that now, so I apologize. <laughs> I mean, you said you said it best, uh, uh, but no. I mean, I didn't know. I did not tear up. I don't even know that I saw it. I was more so watching what he was doing. Yes, um, that's what I, I was did. Doing. Ap- I did appreciate the little lap as well that we've talked about earlier on the show, mm-hmm. um, and seeing a lot of people wearing RV jerseys. That was super cool. It was expected, you know of course, but I think Forsberg might have teared up. Maybe not myself. <laughs> All right, this one comes from uh, Alex. Which predator has the most to prove this season? I think it's Philip Forsberg. If he wants a big contract, he's going to want to prove that. I think in terms of proving, yes, because we are we already know what Johansson and Duchesne are, I think. I don't think he's proving anything. It would be a surprise. But Philip Forsberg, if he's consistent and he proves that, he's going to earn himself a big contract wherever he may be. I really like that answer, but just to be different, maybe <laughs> I'm going to look towards... I'm going to look towards Granlin. We talked about him earlier okay. needing to show leadership. So if he can successfully do that and mentor his linemates as well, that's going to show a lot. But if I'm going to look towards the youth as well, um, I'm going to have to say, oh, I was going to say Janot, but I might also tip towards Soros as well okay. just because everyone's relied on Pecorine for years. All right. So it comes from Robert. How long is Heinz leash? Does he keep the top line together? The top line's never going to stay together the whole time. We're going to see it rotate. I already know. And the leash, I think, is still decently long just because you know that there's a difference in this team. I think the expectation internally may be just be competitive and squeeze into the playoffs. That's what I think overall the expectation is just make the playoffs. Right it now. is a competitive rebuild, so just squeeze in there. Just squeeze in. However you can do it. The top line, I agree. I think we'll see some adjustments. Um, and Sometimes the lines just get shuffled, and it's like they get picked out of a hat. So we might see that as well. I wouldn't be surprised. Okay, this one is a quick one for you if you disagree with this one. This one comes from Ethan. If you could dress up as any player on the MTSU hockey team for Halloween, who would it be, and why is it Ryan Bobrow? <gasps> oh, my gosh. Are you serious? Yeah. Why is it Ryan Bobrow? I mean, why you can't, you can't not love Bob's is the thing but in all honesty i'm so sorry bobs don't listen to this i was going to say carson brown because he likes to knock um the glass off of the boards i oh. don't know if y'all missed that oh yes that but video that was iconic Payne's also done it as well but yeah we love bobs but you know <laughs> okay uh let's see last question this one comes from solomon 
How have the Predators shaped Nashville into becoming a hockey-oriented town, and how do surrounding areas area programs benefit from it, i.e. MTSU? Brownie points. <laughs> Brownie is, points have been awarded. That is a question we can't answer like in two minutes. But the Predators, if you go back, or you know, you could read my book, The Making of Smashville. <clears throat> <clears throat> Noah Maddox, I need plug. that back, by the way. <laughs> shameless plug, by the way. But how they've helped shape is being a part of the community. When the Predators came here, they knew it had to be grassroots. If you're going to grow hockey – especially NHL hockey in the area, it has to be grassroots efforts of doing learn to hockey, having your players, your coaches, your commentators be out in the community, going to schools, having players go out to schools and everything like that, which is what you've seen in Vegas, what you're going to continue to see in Seattle. Yes, there's been hockey in these cities before, and Nashville has a huge hockey history of minor league hockey dating throughout, but when you get the NHL level with TV, with money and everything, it's a whole different level of NHL hockey. And so they played a big role in that of the grassroots efforts and then supporting different things like junior hockey programs, like being a supporter of SECHC as well. And you see a benefit because you have kids grow up only knowing the sport. So you've had a couple generations now go through the Predators being in Tennessee and being in Nashville that they don't know what life is like without the Nashville Predators, whereas people like me still remember that. I still remember growing up and the Predators coming to Nashville, but now you have kids that are growing up knowing that this team exists and have seen this team go and make a Stanley Cup final run and have seen this team be competitive and seen this team have some stars on its team as well that want to be like those players. They want to go play hockey. You have that type of influence in front of you. You're going to want to go play the sport, and so you have these free programs with USA Hockey. You have this free girls learn to play program that has been sold out and everything before at Fort I centers you see youth hockey t- continue to grow and the predators have played a tremendous role in that i'm gonna make you feel super old because i'm one of those kids yeah i'm one of the kids that grew up yeah with that but absolutely in 2017 didn't hurt as well i no, saw a lot no, of no. fans emerge from that and it helps i mean that's why vegas vegas is going to the, the roots are in seattle is going to be the same thing because junior hockey has been around seattle for a long time i mean shoot seattle has a stanley cup nashville doesn't so Thanks. So there's that. All right, folks, we appreciate you, as always, for tuning in. If you missed any of it, you can find the show at Penalty Box Radio wherever you get your podcast. And we'll be back next week, I believe, unless there's a game. I don't know. We'll be back next time. For Abigail Martin, producer Kenny, this is Justin Bradford. Thanks so much for listening to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game.